1: You are listening to the Sixth Sense Report with Darnell Samuels
0: and Joel Nikoloff.
1: All right, and today we'll be looking at uh, Ca- the Canada's asylum program uh, for refugees, and really looking at the ins and outs of the program. So this would kind of be like a reference episode because um, we will revisit this issue uh, and, as yeah as the news permits, right? Uh, so before we get started uh joel just want to say hello hey buddy how you doing i'm good all right make sure because if you're not you know let me know that i want to be hospitable
0: you're telling me to check myself before i wreck myself
1: no I, i'm I'm <laughs> just saying man if you know whatever you need man i got you man whatever you need i got you just want need to be comfortable all right, all right. we good right. okay good 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 so 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 today we are looking at the asylum program so basically what happened with uh President uh, Donald Trump coming um, into power, uh, the Haitians population in the U.S. have said, "Okay, um, we got to leave because it looks like he may overturn uh, our our status and send us back right to Haiti." So, what we ha- ended up having here in Canada is an influx of refugees coming in, uh, looking to uh, gain. Um, uh, Canadian refugee status, or become immigrants, um, in the country. Uh, so now, part of part of the thing that's kind of concerning is well, well. Before we get to that, we want to look at the process and how that happens. So there's a safe third country agreement that makes it difficult for refugees to find asylum in Canada. And basically, the safe third country agreement is basically saying that uh. A refugee can't first come to the U.S. and then claim status in the U.S. and then come and claim uh, refugee status in Canada.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I was researching this, uh, the terminology someone threw around was this idea of refugee shopping. Right, right. right. So,
1: so, so, yeah, essentially <laughs> that's what the, what the agreement uh, between the U.S. and Canada is. Preventing. Right. So the U.S. qualifies as a safe third country. So the country basically has to respect human rights and provide protection for asylum seekers. But the, the rule only applies if the refugee reports to a land port of entry. These ports are located along uh, the, the U.S.-Canadian border. So this is why they end up in Quebec or in um, Manitoba or uh, B.C
0: of the, the, the border where it's super rural and not really per- patrolled is, is what's causing that Right
1: right of course and, and, <laughs> and, it, and it makes sense um, but, but so usually if refugees do come to the port, they're usually turned away unless they're a minor or they have family living in Canada. But if they hop the fence or, or find a gap within the border, um, they illegally they can, they can come in illegally and make an inland asylum claim. So if you're denied, uh, you'd be deported, and if your claim is accepted, uh, you'll become um, a resident. Or, or, or before that, you would, become, you would come before an independent agency called the Immigration and Refugee Board, which is known as the IRB. At this point, the individual has to um, prove that them going back to the country, um, their life would be threatened or they're under persecution. Right. So whether it's religious, sexual orientation, um, they basically prove that if their uh, case is approved, then they become Canadians.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, this, this issue has become more significant because um, we're, we're seeing a crazy increase in the number of people that are um, arrested. I mean, obviously, that doesn't include those that aren't arrested. But if we look at the numbers in 2016, 2,500 asylum seekers were arrested by the RCMP for essentially illegally crossing the border. In the first five months of 2017, the number was 3,400, um, 800 in June, 3,000 in July, and 3,800 in the first half of August.
1: And you know what? You know what's big about that number, <laughs> those numbers, is that those are the people that were intercepted. Yeah. Those aren't the people that weren't caught yet. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or, or didn't like, re, you know? Or, or so I'm
0: sure some of them aren't arrested.
1: Right. Right. But
0: but at the end of the day, they're all. We'd assume they'd all end up applying for asylum status yes of course i mean they might strategically wait longer Mm -hmm. um, to try to avoid some of the the Mm -hmm. hoopla that's going on right now Mm -hmm. but part of the thing is to really i mean for me when i started looking into this issue i really wanted to understand what was going on so i actually just like went to government of canada website it was like how canada's refugee system works um and the thing that's that's really important at least for context to differentiate is like we essentially have two types of programs. We're really talking about the second one right now. The first one is what most people probably think of, which is it's called the refugee and humanitarian resettlement program. So sponsors would work alongside of like UN identifying people that qualify for refugee status and and those sponsors would help with financial support and different things like that. And there's a whole bunch of different ways like you can have groups of people, you can have private sponsorship, you can have, you know, Long term, short term, six months, three years—like you know, there's a lot of little nuances that we don't necessarily need to get into. But the part, this is where that whole third party piece comes into play because when they're they're part of this refugee and humanitarian resettlement program, someone who's applying to be a refugee doesn't say, "I want to be a refugee in Canada." They say, "I want to be a refugee," right. and they get allocated to a particular country via UN and and, and UN's governmental relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's this idea of where refugee shopping, it's like whatever country you go to because you've been granted refugee status, now you got to go to that country and follow the protocols Mm -hmm. and and apply properly and get it, you know, acclimated to that country. You're required under this third safe country concept. The first country you enter as a refugee, you apply to be a refugee there. So the problem is when somebody who's a refugee in the US goes to, the Niagara bridge border and says, I want to be, I want to come into your country. They deny them automatically because of the safe third party. Mm -hmm. They have to stay in the U S and they have to apply for refugee status. Mm -hmm. Once they get citizenship, then they could apply for, or whatever status they could, you know, start talking about moving. But to the first step is applying for refugee status within that country. Right. So what these people have basically done is, is apply. They've circumvented that program by illegally entering the country and then using the secondary piece of the Canadian refugee uh, program, which is the In Canada Asylum Program. Um, It's pretty simple, uh, at least from what I was reading on the website. Um, And and I think you've laid out the conditions really well. Um, The only other thing is to recognize that you don't apply for the asylum program at the border you apply when you're already in the country.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: Right? So, I mean, our predicament here is is recognizing why is this becoming such an issue and really having a conversation around, you know, because people who are um, like advocate, refugee advocates, want Ottawa to withdraw from the pact, this third safe country with the U.S. And that would allow asylum seekers to make claims at land borders because they would basically say, okay, can't, I don't think the U.S. is, Qualified to give me refugee status, I want to come to your country. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. Um, I think it's something worth having a public conversation around. Mm-hmm. Um, we might say it doesn't make sense. We might say it makes sense um, because you know part of it would be well, we're we're somewhat circumventing the relationships with the UN if we did that, right? Because we, we should, wouldn't it make more sense to just say, oh, you can send us more refugees. Right, rather than letting more people apply at the borders mm-hmm. right like so let's I, my just rationally thinking about this would be let's have the UN allocate more people to come here directly rather than change this scenario right. and obviously there's some people who are going to be negatively impacted by one policy versus the other like that's, that's a no brainer yeah. I mean it's this whole situation is a mess regardless mm-hmm. so it's not like I'm saying hey here's the best possible idea it's just there are nuances and there's conversations to be had um i I think a big part of the problem is you know our our prime minister has kind of not while saying stuff he hasn't really said anything right he's you know just basically said we're we have a great system we need to follow the rules and are you and there's a blatant questions of like are you telling them and i think i saw it on ctv news are you telling people they should stop you know illegally crossing the border and like Without saying yes or no, he's basically referring back to like, here's the laws. We have a good system. You need to follow the protocols. Like, Right. So you're kind of saying yes. You're kind of saying no because all the people who illegally cross the border are still allowed to apply. Right. Just under a different rule. They've not followed one rule. They're just picking a different rule
1: to follow. Right. And he's kind of just seems to be saying like,
0: yeah, okay.
1: All right. right. Well, <laughs> without saying it, right? But it's <laughs> funny because, yeah, because the asylum... The, uh, the asylum policy is, is giving, it's like a loophole and, it, and, it, and it's giving-, giving um, For the first the refugees, program. Yeah, yeah. Or it, it's being used as a loophole for the first the, yeah, yeah, it's being used as a loophole for the first program and it's giving incentive to refugees to hop the fence and come in illegally. Um, mm-hmm. and, and at some point, you, know, you kind of have to ask, well, what are the effects on our economy because of this loophole? where they do come in not to say um well yeah yeah what w- what are some of the views um and things we have to consider in in refugees coming in illegally right so even if you look at um them and and our security right so that's one of the things people say okay well this this is a threat to our national security
0: yeah and i mean i would say more so from a non true refugee mm-hmm. but like You know, not to go like all Donald Trump comment, but like, I would say there's a legitimate concern that like an ISIS terrorist could use the lack of security we have to infiltrate the country. Now, how high of a probability do I think that is? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say it's crazy high. But it's still like if you have if if somebody was looking to do that, this appears to be a security right. weakness
1: where they could achieve it. Right. But but then again, we don't really have instances where um refugees have been uh like a terrorist type problem. They might be a thug problem, but not necessarily um a terrorist problem. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I would you know, obviously I would say the the counterpoint I would make to that though is like, how long has ISIS really been around? How long has this, you know, significant threat,
1: yeah, but uh, really existed? Yeah. I mean,
0: versus like you know a Russian spy type of a uh, you know there's Cold this, War type yeah, yeah yeah there's a whole different type of ball yeah. game, right? Yeah. One is more intel, and yeah. one is more let's blow some stuff up, right? Which is, right, right, right. You know, a drastically different type of conversation. right. And,
1: and, and, and part of it is we don't we never really had a situation where we had to worry about that. So you know, what I mean, I guess we'll cross that bridge when it comes. But in the meantime, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's a valid argument uh, per se. I, I believe that when we look at them coming in, we're like, okay, well, are are we for open borders? We're like, okay, well, yeah, come right in. Um, but then you have the concern with people saying, okay, well, they're going to be a drain on our economy.
0: Yeah and I mean it's an interesting claim right cuz i mean you know I, I was thinking about this in in like how can i make analogies right like you could argue like to some extent i would draw parallels to like someone who's just entering the workforce mm-hmm. right like the amount of taxes those people contribute to the system is really low in comparative to like the potential consumption right like canada's a great example with healthcare mm-hmm. right like The amount of a 19 year old with no education who's in a trade Mm -hmm. is going to have really low taxes. They're going to have potentially, you know, a significant healthcare bill, not, not crazy, but significant enough. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'm in a trade where I get cut all the time or I, you know, whatever, you know, break a bone or or whatnot. Right. So if I was to call, those people are going to you know, so wouldn't I expect someone coming in? I have some reasonable expectation that someone entering our country that has to get acclimated, especially through a refugee, is not going to generate as much tax as they are cost, mm-hmm. right? Like, so they are going to drain the system. But when we talk about, you know, immigration as a whole being really low in percentage, you know, the thought I was thinking was like five years, 10 years, 15 years from now, are they actually on the other end of the spectrum potentially where, contributing. They're, where they're contributing more? So, so that side of the equation, I think, you know, we're again, something we've talked about before is like that narrow temporal perspective. Mm. Right. 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 Um, no,
1: it, it's, it's, that, that's a very good observation. Cause I'm thinking in my head, like, I think from like the ground level, we want to be able to say, okay, like, yo, what if that was me? Like, these are people and for some of us who have parents who immigrated to the country and you think to yourself yeah what if that was me what if i was the guy you know hopping the fence at the border and okay let's use both scenarios let's say one who's accepted and one who's not accepted one who is accepted um now qualifies um for assistance has
0: a a potential right has a potential to get in Mm -hmm. right like if you know, you go to the like to your point. You're contrasting the two people. The guy going to the border has zero chance.
1: Okay, no, no, sorry, sorry, no, no. I I mean, after approval or oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm talking. So about, you're
0: talking about in asylum versus the normal refugee. Yeah, no, yeah, or yeah. The, I'm calling them normal, but
1: yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you're looking at both instances. So the guy who has had his application approved. Yeah, yeah. And so he's in. Um, usually, like historically, we've seen that um, immigrants have always been hard workers and people that do come to the country and contribute right away. Um even if we look at life before um minimum wage throughout history. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, getting where you fit in. Yeah, yeah. Right? And and you basically start from the bottom and you and you work your way to the top. Uh whether it's um you know, you're doing windows, shining shoes and you're and yeah, and you're learning the value of a dollar and you're just making your way through. People can respect that. Like, I, I bet, you know what I mean? Like, for people who are seeing immigrants coming in, they're like, well, they're here, but they're um, contributing, mm-hmm. right? So so it kind of irks people when they see immigrants coming in, and then they're lining up for welfare in the meantime while they're waiting for work. Um, so it, it, it's kind of that. that um, It looks bad at, at face value for people who are saying, okay, well, look at these immigrants. They're coming in here. And they're just bleeding our system, but I I don't think that's true.
0: Well, and you know what I I was trying to investigate it a bit, right? Because I mean, obviously, with my political leanings being more libertarian, I I was I tend to find more content that's libertarian oriented, mm-hmm. and and within the open borders conversation, the libertarian community is very diverse. There's kind of all walks of you know arguments, mm-hmm. um, but there was this really good quote that. That I have that that referenced a study. Uh, so the the website is called the Jack News, um, and the article was three different libertarian positions on immigration. Mm-hmm. But the 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 paragraph is somewhat slightly different um, in terms of uh, what its content is. So let me just read it and and then I'll I have a secondary one that's slightly different perspective. So one problem with this uh, last point is that statistics show that immigrants do not result in increased. Welfare spending. So, so the opposite effect of what people's concerns are, right? So, um, statistics show that immigrants do not result in an increased welfare spending. According to reports by the Cato Institute, there is no causal tie between increased immigration, legal or illegal, and social spending. In fact, immigrants tend to pick states with less social spending because that means freer economies and more jobs. This underscores the fact that immigrants are coming to America to work, not to freeload. Right. So. I think this article really does a good job of identifying the fact that they're saying an increase, there's a lack of increased welfare spending. The reason why I think that's significant is because I was reading another article on SteamIt, which is this steemit.com um, by Cody Fowler. I'm not really. Sure. I didn't really look into it, but there were some statistics in here that were pretty well quoted um, in terms of articles from Forbes and PolitiFact, fool.com, heritage.org. So what they were saying was that, um, immigrants have a lower tax. So kind of what we were talking about before, Mm -hmm. when they first come in, they generate a small amount of tax Mm -hmm. income, um, but their benefits are really high. So they were saying the average is 10,000 per household, but receive 24,000 or 25,000 in benefits. Okay. Whereas, um, American citizens have 21,000 in taxes and t- approximately 20,000 in benefits. Mm-hmm. So idea being that they generate slightly more than they consume. What I think the problem, if I was trying to look at these critically, like how does the two articles have vastly different things? Mm-hmm. I think this one is a little bit too um, quantitative. It's not looking at the, where the other article, what I mean by that is just taking the averages okay, let's just take how much they tax, how much the benefits and just like allocate. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but the problem is with government spending, everything, all the prices are skewed, which that's a whole nother conversation Mm -hmm. or, or episode. Mm -hmm. Um, The other article says is more talking about the marginal, right? Saying, Oh, if we look at welfare spending, when we've had a, and I'm, I'm making this part up, but like, let's say we look at a state and say, Oh, there was a 5% immigration in this one month mm-hmm. or or you know 1% immigration in this year mm-hmm. but how much so what was the marginal impact on welfare spending and and the mar, and the welfare spending went up only slightly right but if you just took welfare spend you just took benefits and allocated them on an on a per basis right you don't you you forget some of the benefits of economies of scale Right. Mm -hmm. So adding one more person to a system doesn't actually increase it 20,000 per person. It might only cost a thousand dollars because of all of the economies of scale from that system already being so big. Right. So that's where I think my point about all this conversation is to really say that conversation around how much are immigrants bleeding the system is so much more complex than just trying to look at some simple numbers. Mm -hmm. Right. To really, again, getting into the temporal aspect of it too. Right. The short-term benefit, like, do I think it's a role of us a community to do humanitarian things? Yes. Yes. I mean, I'll get you know, again, another conversation. I don't think it's the role of government to do it. Mm-hmm. I think it's the role of the people taking community and and you know, identifying those in our community who do a really good job and just supporting them.
1: Right, but even on the flip side, when we look at uh, the structure that we have here in Canada with free care, welfare system, and uh, a, a safety net. We have a really awesome uh, social safety net here. For immigrants coming in, we can't have an open border because of that. Like at some point, we got to say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who okay. are you? How many of you are coming, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, a billion people from Africa showed up here. We'd have a problem. Right. Right. So you know what I'm saying? But we like, never dealt with that. But the but right. point is valid. Yeah, yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? So So at some point, you need to say, hold on, hold up who are you and uh, you know what i mean how many kids are you bringing in you know and it's not to be mean but we have a we have a particular structure here where um yeah we we got this safety net that's um that's accommodating those who are pull who are paying into it so yeah. for us we're just like wait a minute you know i'm not paying for that guy
0: yeah well, you know
1: what's up with that
0: i mean you you know you look at i mean i mean i'm I'm a financial analyst. You know, I see this perspective all the time when it comes to like looking at different companies or opportunities that come my way. Um, companies that grow really, really fast, mm-hmm. all, of the pro- all of the policies or the way they do things start to crumble and they have to revamp everything. Sorry,
1: do things really, really fast? When they mean? grow
0: really fast. Okay. So if you were to like triple or, or 10 times your size in a year,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're literally operating on a make, make it work op- perspective but you can't just continue to operate that way. Mm-hmm. Over time you have to uh, plateau, adjust, become more efficient and then grow again. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm I'm oversimplifying no, things, No, 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 but, no, I get what you're saying. But the same thing applies with immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. If you start adding a, you know, if you literally doubled our population by bringing in a ridiculous amount of refugees, mm-hmm. our entire system would collapse. Right. Like you couldn't handle it. So you you know, I'm reiterating your point from a I see this in business, right? Like policies, procedures, financial reconciliation, financial, you know, processes, settling p- money with clients, right? Like if you have one person who's paying invoices mm-hmm. at some point in time, if you grow too big, you have to hire another person mm-hmm. or you have to hire more, you know, number of people. Mm-hmm. So the system has a threshold for where it can't take it anymore. And, and to your point around the welfare side of it, right? Like our healthcare system can only, we already have long enough wait times. Mm-hmm. You you increase the population by 10 to 15%. No, forget 100, 10 to 15%. All those wait times are going through the roof.
1: Right. Right. So, yeah, at at some point we have to take a step back and say okay, well look. Uh, well, you know, the policy, the the, the asylum and then the safe third country I, I personally I don't see a way we can um uh find a solution for the two it almost seems like because you know canada has to honor um their agreement with canada uh, with the u.s unless unless they go back on it but i don't see them going back on it um but then uh this loophole of the asylum um like i said if i was in their shoes i'm praising god i'm praising god for it and even if i do jump the border and i don't get approved i'm still praising god because i'm staying and and if i'm staying then i'm I'm. I'm basically grinding. I'm, I'm, I'm finding work under the table. You mean you're staying here illegally, right? Right, man, because it's, it's all about survival, right? Because I don't want to go back. So I'm going to try my best to find work. Now, mind you, because of the minimum wage, right, I'm, I'm priced out, so I can't do anything. So I, now I got to find a way to make a living, possibly illegally.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say it's more than just the minimum wage. I mean, it has to do with um, all of the employment regulations. Like, I was watching one of the CTV videos talking about employment seekers be getting their first welfare checks, um, and there was a guy on there talking about, like, man, I just want to cut grass. Like, I'll do right. anything. Right. But but they they don't even have work permits yet. They you know they're not allowed to work until they get a you know all these all these things. all the ducks in the row. The government dude, says yes.
1: But but what's work? Work is cutting grass painting a wall like taking out an old lady's garbage watching somebody's kids like this is i think i think this is what makes it somewhat difficult for uh a person to survive uh like if you're like oh yeah raise the minimum wage and then we can survive i'm like well what about you know the guy who's who's who who wants to work for five dollars or you know what i mean And, and be able to at least do something
0: Yeah. And I think this is a really good example where, you know, the guy who's getting coming over in in a refugee scenario may or may not speak the language even, right? Mm -hmm. His English might be completely broken. He might know yes and no, Mm -hmm. like who knows? Mm -hmm. And and that getting a job, the biggest benefit is that's actually going to start to integrate him or her into the culture. So you're going to start to learn a language. Mm -hmm. Hey, am I willing to hire someone for $15 an hour that doesn't speak English? Not a chance.
1: Mm. Unless
0: they literally somehow mm. can do the job right. without talking to anybody and can, you know, learn the task at hand. Like right. I have to have some crazy scenario right. where it's possible for this person to function as an employee. But right. if I could get away with paying them $5 an hour, mm-hmm. I might be able to be able to justify the expense mm-hmm. because the benefits I'm going to receive are worth my extra half an hour or hour of trying to explain the task I need them to do for the day and being willing
1: to invest in them, learning the language. Right. Right. Cause more times I'm thinking in my head, like, then yeah, well, I'll just turn to a life of crime. Like I really would, you know what I mean? Cause I'm, I'm trying to survive and feed my kids. Right. So I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I'd sell some weed or whatever or whatever, whatever drug is moving at that time. And you know, that's why sometimes, you know, you know, you watch the CTV news and then you know the person who's who gets arrested, like oh, by the way, he's an illegal immigrant. He's gonna get deported back to Jamaica. Not to say it's only Jamaicans, but you know what I mean. You know how that goes. You know what I mean. So when you see people get deported, you already know the play. You already know what's going on. You know, so you you feel bad because you know what, you know maybe if you know we didn't have a minimum wage, maybe I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean I you know we that I think that's definitely for another conversation because mm-hmm. minimum wage is such a an interesting conversation because you have people now trying to totally ignore the fact from a basic economics perspective you're it's it's a price floor Mm -hmm. you're saying and and basic economics economics 101 tells us what a price floor does Mm -hmm. but people say no no there's way more conversation here so i mean in terms of this uh refugee asylum scenario i think we we've hashed it out pretty good that's my two cents on it anyways
1: yeah and that's my two cents
0: And we're uh, we're more than interested in your two cents. So, reach out to us, Facebook, Twitter, uh, basically just slash six cents report. All words, no numbers.
1: But you heard me. Does that make sense?